Well, obviously, this evening we're continuing our series on uh, discipleship, and particularly this series is called Follow Me. Oh, I thought I would have got something from this side then, but I didn't get anything. That's good. Tonight, specifically, we're going to be looking at prayer, and and I'm hoping that as we move through this, this is going to be a very basic uh, message this evening, but my hope is that there'll be some things that you can actually put in place uh, which will help you in your prayer life. I think one of the things that we fail to do in our Christian churches today is to teach some of the basic principles to our young people, and there's older people sitting here who've never been taught those principles either. So hopefully, um, about halfway through the message, it will change to some very basic uh, principles that you can actually put in place. We as Christians in the institutional church in the Western world are in grave danger. We are under attack. And it's not an attack like we see of those faithful Christians overseas that are being persecuted, cast out, beaten and killed. This is much more subtle. And we have a tendency to be quite oblivious to it. But the problem is, what's going on here is much more serious And it has eternal consequences. We're living in a time where there's an absence of the presence of Holy Spirit in our meetings. This is something that's repeated by many Christian authors today. And we fail to grasp hold of this. We fail to see the importance of elevating Christ in our life, of making God not just a priority but the purpose of our lives. And that's why we're working through this discipleship series. We want to move back to the basics. We want people to understand that there is a way we should be living if we declare Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. What we're talking about is a situation similar to the Laodicean church that's mentioned in Revelation 3. This is a church that was neither hot nor cold. And God says he's going to spew them out of his mouth. The translation is spit, but it's literally spew. He he doesn't want them in his mouth. He's revolted. He wants it gone. And we're in danger of that. If we don't understand these basic principles, if we don't wake up and change our attitudes. And, And there's no need to be offended when someone says something like this. If we do a checklist and we come up all right, praise God. That's absolutely fantastic. But if you do a checklist and you're lacking in something, you're lacking in things that you should put in place, that's a wake-up call by God to say, hey, we need to change this. We need to take steps in order that we're addressing this correctly. So please don't be offended. Think about what is said and think about what God is saying to each and every one of us. Let me just open in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for your presence, your love, your power that is with us continuously. Thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to me through the preparation of this message. Thank you, Lord, for the challenge that it is to revisit some of these very basic things. But Lord, my prayer is that people will hear your voice through the midst of this, that people will be able to relate to maybe even just one thing, Lord, that they can take home from this evening and apply to their lives so they draw closer to you. More than anything, Lord, Help us as a people of God to understand the importance of acknowledging you in our every day. So speak to us now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I think first and foremost, as we approach prayer, the first thing we should do is pray with reverence. For some of us, that's a no-brainer. You know, but unfortunately, I think it's something that we miss. Do we think about who it is that we approach when we come to prayer? Do we consider who it is that we're speaking to? Do we think that through as we approach God? 
And no doubt, as we, as we come to a time of prayer, there's some aspects that we think about straight away. And I think the one that has been really pummeled lately is God is love. You know, you don't need to worry about anything else. God is love. But God's got so many other aspects. And we need to really think about that as we approach him. And when we think about things like Proverbs 9 and 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. What is this fear of the Lord that is speaking about? And what this verse in Proverbs is pointing to is this attitude of awe in who God is. It's an acknowledging God as a God of wonders. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. He's the creator of all we see. He's the creator of all we know. He's not restricted by time and space. He lives outside of those things. He holds the world in his hands. He's bigger than anything or anyone we could possibly know. He rules the universe. He holds the universe together. He is holy. He lives in unapproachable light. He is God. And I tell you what, if that doesn't shift you, if that doesn't change you, I don't know what else will. It's repeated again and again in Scripture. We've got accounts in Isaiah where Isaiah is lost for words. He looks upon God in his holy temple and he's, he, 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 his robe fills the temple. He doesn't know what else to say. It's this outworking, this outpouring of God's holiness. And true reverence comes and is necessary when we reflect, reflect on who God is. It's when we get that glimpse. It's when we understand who he is, that we can come and adore him, praise him and worship him as he deserves. It's us taking time before we pray to elevate him to his rightful place in our thoughts, to acknowledge anew how awesome, how powerful, how loving, how gracious, how forgiving this God is. That's the God we approach when we pray. Be honest with yourself. When's the last time you did that as you approach prayer? When's the last time you were actually amazed by who God is? And let's just think about that. Let's just think about the fact that God welcomes prayer from us. He wants to hear from us. And this almighty, all-powerful God has made this way where I can come into his presence and I can talk to him. And he wants to hear my voice. And he answers me. Doesn't that amaze you? It amazes me. I think it's just totally mind-blowing. And I get those moments of revelation where I can no longer speak when I'm in God's presence because it truly is incredible that he would care and love for me so much that he would do that with everything else he has, with all the power he has. He thinks of me. And that's the attitude we should have as we approach prayer. This is the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the God who holds all things together. And he listens to me. He listens to me. It's incredible. And I'm so amazed that God made a way for us to be in relationship with him. And so when I think about that, when I think of all that God has done, then really prayer becomes an act of obedience. It becomes something that I want to do. I want to converse with God. I want to talk with God. I want to be in his presence. I want to hear what he has to say.
Think about that passage of scripture that was read out to us just a little bit earlier. This is what comes out of that passage, Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, Matthew 6, 9. Pray then like this. This is just out of one chapter of scripture where we are pointed again and again and again to pray. This is something that we are called to do. In fact, if you look at this, it's a command. It's like it's hand in glove. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, then you will pray. There's no other option. This is what should actually happen. And I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. If you're not praying, you don't love Jesus. It's really that simple. Think about your earthly and worldly relationships. If I didn't talk to Elena, one day I'm going to wake up and she's not going to be there. She will feel unloved. She will feel pushed to the fringe and things like that. And this God who loves and pours so much out upon us, he wants us to speak with him. He wants that relationship. And we should have this desire to get to know him. We should have this desire to draw close to him. And the way we do that is through prayer. If we say that we're disciples, then we want to live in obedience to him and his word. And if we're not praying, we're not being obedient to him. Here's a few more passages from the New Testament which actually say exactly the same thing. 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. 1 Timothy 2.1, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. And this is only a very small example of what is actually in Scripture. It is repeated again and again and again. We are called to pray. And you know what? If we want to grow in our relationship with God, we need to pray. But I know it's hard. I know it's really, really difficult. Because some of us have never been taught how to pray. Some of us have a skewed view of what prayer is. Some of us are embarrassed by our inability to pray. And so more than anything tonight, I hope I, hope I can provide some things which will help you uh, as you come to pray. And so we're going to move into that now. So the third thing I want to talk about this evening, I just want you to picture yourself speaking to God. Uh, I, I, as you approach God, I, I want you to do this. I want you to think about who he is. Think about what we spoke before about this reverence towards God as we pray. Think about who it is you're coming to. Prepare yourself as you enter his presence because you are entering his presence. This is God. But it's a God who wants relationship with you. It's a God who is yearning for you to step towards him. And you're speaking to a person. For some of us, that's a no-brainer. But for some of us, that's a revelation. We seem to create this barrier or detachment between us and God, and we pray as if he's up there somewhere, and I'm here. But this is a God who's right alongside us. He's with us, and he's a person, and he doesn't want us to say anything special. He wants us to talk with him. He wants a conversation. He wants us to just pour our hearts out to him. And I know he longs to hear from us. You know, there's these awesome passages of Scripture like this one, 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Does that excite you? I mean, you know, like he's looking upon you and he's waiting for you to speak. And when you open your mouth to pray, it could be a very simple prayer, but his ears are open to hear that prayer. 
And he wants to hear from you. He desires to hear from you. And I can tell you some of the most incredible, most powerful prayers I've ever heard are very short prayers. And that's what God longs for. He wants people to speak to him. Think about what's there. I know there's many of us who think we can't pray. If I asked you all to file past here and give a one-sentence prayer to God, there'd be a lot to pass. There'd be a lot to go out the back door instead. We've got this fear of praying. We think that we can't pray, but you're believing a lie. And Satan wants you to believe that. He wants you to not think about speaking to God because he knows the power that can be given to you. He knows that if you learn that Jesus is listening to you and interceding for you at the Father's right hand and giving you everything that you need for the task that he's got planned for you, that you're going to be empowered. You're going to be able to do great things, not because of who you are, but who, because of who Jesus is in you, because he's promised, promised us to give us everything that we could possibly need for the task that he has chosen for us. And so Satan's going to keep telling you that lie that you can't pray. His ears are open to you. Of course you can pray. And as you come to pray, take some time. I found it very beneficial in my prayer life to, to imagine God enthroned. And, and I just come into his presence and, and I just sit with my back against his throne. And I just talk to him. And, and, and it really helps me connect with God. Pastor Darrell last week said something similar. He said that, you know, he, he comes into the throne room with God. He must have copied off me. And he comes into the throne room with God. But he actually crawls into God's lap. And he speaks with God from God's lap. And again, it, it, it's this image of this heavenly father who loves and cares and wants to commune with us. He wants to speak with us. That's what scripture tells us. We can imagine that. We can just be in his presence and, and just talk to him. That's what he wants. We need to give God space to reply too. And I know this freaks a lot of people out. You know, we've got a tendency to rush through our days and not give God time. We, we need to come to him and we need to pray. And, and it's a conversation, as I say, God's going to speak to us. And you know, there's times when I've actually been sitting against his throne and I've said, God, I, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. I, I, I don't even know what your plan and purpose is right here. And there'll be a few thoughts come to mind, and I'll write those things down. I'll be like, well, God, is this really you? I'm hearing this, but is this really you? And he'll confirm that. You know, had this really freaky thing happen like that. I've been praying about our prayer meeting that we had yesterday here at church, and God gave me that bit that I shared before, you know, the presence of the absence of Holy Spirit. He said, that's what you're going to pray on Saturday. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm going to walk in with that. I don't think they're going to buy that. And God just kept saying, yep, do it. I want you to do this. I want and I went in there and I was still like, I, I just, I don't think I can do it. And, and um, I left the whiteboard blank. I usually write all over the whiteboard. I left it blank because I was like, I'm not disobeying you yet, God, but I actually need some form of confirmation here. There was a lady that read out the devotion that prompted it. And originally for me earlier in the week, and I was like, Okay, that's pretty serious. I think God's saying to do something here. Then someone else spoke about how they're feeling this absence of Holy Spirit. And I was like, okay, that's a confirmation. And I wrote it up on the board. I said, guys, this is what we're praying about today. And this incredible thing happened where people started repenting. I haven't experienced it before in this church. They were standing in the gap for some of you people. And they were asking for forgiveness for the things that we've done wrong, the things that have caused 
God's witness not to be as strong as it could here. <laughs> and it kept going. And, and, and it was just an incredible time. And if we pray and if we believe God hears our prayers, he's going to answer, he's going to tell us what to do. And sure, we have to test those words. We have to know that it's him. But I can tell you, if we make a mistake and we say, God, I, I think this is you, I'm going to step out in faith, and then we find out that it's not God, he's not going to slam you up the side of the head. He's going to walk over, he's going to lift you out of the water that you're sinking into, just like he did with Peter. And then he's going to walk back to the boat with you on the water. He's going to encourage and strengthen you in your faith. He's going to say, that wasn't my voice. Listen a little more carefully. And he's going to teach you how to discern his voice from the others. That's the God that we worship and honour. You know, and if you can do this, your time with God will grow longer and longer. It won't be a burden. I know prayer is a burden for many. It won't be a burden. It'll be a joy. And those times when you do wake up late and you have to cut your prayer short, you go away lacking. You know that you need to have that time with God. You want that time with God. But the thing is too, there's some other things that we should be doing. We should call him Father. Again, in the passage that we're reading tonight, it gives that example of how to pray. And uh, it says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. And I'm not going to say that you should call God Daddy. That freaks me out. I can't do that. You know, but he says right here to call him Father. And yes, the Greek says Abba Father. And, and if you want to call him Dad or Daddy, go right for it. I, I really don't mind. But I, I personally can't do that. But I call him Father. And I see him as adopting me. I see him as counting me as a joint heir with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, that blows my mind. I can't believe that when he looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, which Jesus has put upon me. He doesn't see my sins. He doesn't see the things that I've done wrong. And he says, call me Father. That's what I want you to do. He wants this intimacy. He, it's an indication of the relationship that he wants with us. And I've got to tell you, as a father, I love it when my kids call me dad. Praise God, at this stage, they're only entering the teenage years now. They don't call me anything else, but I suppose it will come. But I love it when they call me dad. And then, you know, when they get serious about something, when there's something that they're struggling with, the way they say dad changes. It, 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 they, they say dad in a way where it's like, I, I need your help in this. And so when my kids are hurting, when my kids are struggling and they come alongside, I, I know they say dad in a way where they want my attention. They want me to look upon them. They want me to understand that they need help. And when we come into our heavenly father's presence and, and we're struggling and we cry out to him, he wants to embrace you as well. He wants to carry you. He wants to give you the strength you need to go on. He wants to lift you up. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm saying this because I've experienced it. And you can too. He wants us to understand. He's waiting to give us everything we need in order to live for him. He's a good father, better than I will ever be to my children. And he wants relationship with each and every one of us. And so our prayers should be intimate. You know, we've got these glossary prayers like, Lord, bless me today. Lord, help me at work. Lord, keep me safe on the roads. God wants us to go deeper. 
He, he wants us to talk to him about the things that truly affect us, the things that are good, the things that are bad, and the things that are ugly. And you know, those glossary of terms, Matthew 6, 8 says about the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the days, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. How's God going to be if you don't ask him for the things that he knows you need? I think God wants us to ask. He wants to equip us. He wants to empower us. But he's a perfect gentleman. He waits before he gives those things to you because he wants you to ask him for them. And this is about asking God for specifics. Don't pray for the sake of praying. Don't come to God with mindless prayers, things that don't mean anything to you, or with prayers that aren't about you and your life. Tell God about your joys, your struggles, your triumphs, your failures. Don't Christianize your prayers. Don't put the holies and thous where you think they should be. Just talk to God. Again, back to my kids. You can't help but have that analogy. I don't, I don't want those kids to continually come and tell me how awesome I am. And they're quiet, everyone. I know how difficult it would be for them not to do that. But, you know, I don't want them to always tell me how awesome I am. I, I, I want to get down to brass tacks. I want my kids to come and sit with me and talk to me about what's going on. You know, when I, when I see them laughing and having fun, you know, actually, I want to know what they're laughing and having fun about. You know, when they come and tell me those crazy stories, uh, Becky's got a few of these. You've, you've met one of her friends from school, you know, uh, and, and when she tells me about her friend who's just fallen on the floor laughing in the middle of class for some crazy reason, I want to hear about that. And I can't participate in what's happened, but I, I, I laugh too. I enjoy hearing what's going on in their life. And our Heavenly Father, He does that too. And so, he wants to be a part of that. You know, when I see my kids sad, I want them to come and I want them to tell me what they're sad about. Sometimes, you know, they can't actually do that. So I do my best to encourage them and make them laugh again. I'm reasonably successful at that. But that's what God wants to do for us too. He wants to lift us up from those places which would keep us oppressed. He wants to carry us in those times when we can't move forward on our own. And you know, those times my kids mess up, they know they can come and talk to me. They know I'm not going to be happy, but they come and talk to me and we can work through those things. Of course, Elena's a bit of a softer entry there, so they talk to Elena first often, but uh, ultimately um, we do talk about those things. And, and the, reason, the reason I want them to talk to me about everything, even when they mess up, is because I love my kids and, and, and I want my kids to, to know that there's nothing they can do. They can upset me. They, they can make me sad, but there's nothing they can do which will ever stop me from loving them. How much more our Heavenly Father? It's just incredible when we think about it. When we mess up, He's waiting with arms open wide to love us, to forgive us, to restore us. When He wants, he wants to hear our joy. He wants to show His Love, care and compassion in those situations which draw us into the depths of darkness and despair. He wants to restore us. He wants to grow us in faith. And so can I say, pray often, pray well and pray now. Why do you think it is that the disciples came to Jesus and asked him how to pray? Luke 11 once says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. 
as John taught his disciples. I wonder why the disciples did that. I believe it's because they saw how constantly Jesus prayed. They saw how much Jesus depended on prayer. They saw the benefit for him as a result of the times that he prayed. Jesus was setting this example for us. He rose early in the morning to pray. When he had a busy day, he just made sure that he got up earlier in order that he could spend time with God to see his will and purpose for his life that day. When he had big decisions to make, such as choosing the 12 disciples, he prayed through the night in order that he could make sure that he did the thing that God would have him to do in that situation. I don't understand the whole Judas thing in the midst of that, but I'm sure that's one of the things that Jesus wrestled with God about. And God said, no, you need to include him. And so Jesus spent the whole night praying about that. Think of him in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was struggling with what was before him, what he was going to face as he was beaten and put upon that cross. And he knew he couldn't endure. And and he was just pouring his heart out to God, asking God to change the situation, the outcome, if that was at all possible. But then he said, Lord, not my will, your will be done. And God sent an angel to meet with him and strengthen him at that time so he could endure until the end. Jesus set us an example, a pattern that we need to follow so that in all circumstances, at all times, we should pray. And this needs to be a habit of our lives. You don't need to go back to your prayer space if you've got one at home. You pray with God constantly, all throughout the day, never ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And praying without ceasing is more about shifting our outlook and our view more than anything else. If I was to ask if God goes with us into our days, all of you will say yes, because that's how you're supposed to answer the pastor when he asks questions like that. But is it true? Do you believe God is present with you all throughout your day? Because God does go with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And the problem is, we don't actually believe that. Or alternatively, we operate in our own strengths and abilities. We don't see a need to include God in our everyday or our moment-by-moment situations. And what we need to do is open a channel first thing in the morning. If you're in a rush, do it quickly, yeah, but open it anyway. Begin to speak to God. Spend time with him when you can, chunks of time, so you can hear what he's going to say. But we need to open ourselves to God at the start of the day, beginning our day by praying with him. And then all throughout the day, that needs to continue. Think of it as keeping music playing in the background all day. And so let God be there and let that connection be open so when there's a need for him, you can actually just plug back in. You know, I I have music playing quite a bit and uh, it's usually worship songs, prayer and praise, something like that these days. I don't listen to much else, a bit of Christian rap. But, you know, I I have that stuff going and I don't sing every song that comes on. But there's a song that will come on and you start singing that song. And it's just been there the whole time. The music's been playing the whole time, but it's just that one particular song that caused you to sing. And you know, when I'm singing that song, I'm actually offering that as a prayer and praise to God because it just moves me, it touches me. And so when we have God in the background continuously, if we are aware of him, just like that music in the background, when something comes up, our first response should be to go to God. You know, if something happens which is truly outstanding and it brings joy to our life, we should thank God. Father, thank you so much that you've allowed that to happen. Thank you that you're here with me. 
You know, in the mundane tasks, you know, you're standing in the line at McDonald's or something like that and it takes you four hours to get to the counter or whatever. Look around you. Who can you be praying for in that situation? And if there's no people there that you believe you could be praying for, ask God to bring to mind others that you can be praying for. Put me at the top of the list. I'm quite happy to receive as many prayers as possible. So, you know, if you can't think of anyone else, think of Pastor Charlie. But, you know, seriously, we've, we've got so much downtime uh, that we can actually just be continually connecting to God and, and bringing things to Him. When you mess up, don't wait till you get home to try and sort that out with God. Just pray straight away, Lord, I really messed that up. I'm so sorry. Please help me to be better in this situation. And this is how our day should be. Uh, you know, um, if God answers a prayer in the middle of your day, thank him straight away. Elena and I had an interesting incident. I won't share it because it'll take too much time. But, but we had this really incredible God divine appointment. And both of us, as we walked back to the car, we were like, praise God, isn't that awesome? And that wasn't staged. It was just we were so thankful that God had moved in the way that he did. And we could just see his hand in that. We wanted to thank him. We wanted to acknowledge that he was in the middle of that situation. So when those divine appointments come, remember that God is constantly there. He's big enough to take anything that we say to him, the good, the bad, the incredibly ugly. And he wants to hear from you. He wants to engage with you. And so when something is difficult or upsetting him, tell him, don't delay. If we tell him about it in the middle of the situation, sometimes he'll answer immediately. And that situation will dissipate. You'll be able to move on. Think about the times you've had something that's been pressing in on you and you get stressed. Just take a deep breath. Lord, I'm not handling this well. Please help me. Guide me. Talk to God in the midst of that. Tell him how you're feeling. Think about when you're angry or when you decide that Bob really is an idiot. Any Bobs here? Oh, praise God. But, you know, when you just have that time where you think, well, Bob really is an idiot. Or when you mess up, don't wait. Turn these feelings over to God, the wrongs that you've done. Confess immediately. Tell God that you're sorry for what you've done what you were thinking, and ask him to forgive you. Then ask him how to deal with Bob. Ask him to give you the wisdom, the patience, to speak with him differently next time. Ask him to guide you in how you should go, and so that you conduct yourself before Bob in a way that honours God. You know that prayer? Hallowed be your name. You're saying, Lord, your name is safe on my lips. I'm your adopted son. As your son, all I do is in Jesus' name. I will not throw mud upon your name, Lord. And yet when we do those things, we so often do. We need to come back and ask God for forgiveness. And in our situation here in church, it's been my experience that many people share things that are troubling them, things that are weighing in upon them. And, you know, so often I was guilty of this. I'd say, yeah, I'll pray for you. Walk out the door and guess what? didn't pray for them. If someone comes to you and tells you about a situation or something they're struggling with, pray with them there and then. Don't wait. There's no reason to wait. You know, let, let's pray for each other. Let's be supporting and upholding each other. If someone shares with you something incredible that God's done, praise God with them. I, I love being with people and just thanking God for the incredible things that he's done. If you've hung around me for any length of time, you'd actually know that. And, and I, just, I just love praising God with people and thanking him for 
what he does in our lives. And guys, we don't need prayers that have got deep theology in them. We need prayers that are honest. We need prayers that just speak directly to the heart of the situation. You know, if someone asks you to pray for them, don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm still learning this, but I still want to pray for you. You know, imagine someone coming up to you and saying, I've got exams coming up this week and, you know, I'm really struggling with that. All you have to do is say, hey, I'm still learning this. I don't know how to pray for you properly, but I'm just going to say, Lord, please be with Megan as she prepares for exams this week. Help her to study well. Amen. Anything wrong with that? If someone prayed for me like that, even though I'm not studying anymore, I'd just be honoured. I'd just be so blown away that they took the time to actually pray for me. And that's the way we should be praying. We don't need to be someone we're not. We just need to be real with each other. And you know what? As we pray more and more, constantly believing that God hears us and will answer us, our prayer life grows. We learn how to pray for people. And again, if you spend any time with me and you come to me and say, we need to pray for this person, they're in hospital, I'll say, what are we going to pray? Of course, we're going to pray for healing. But what if God has allowed this person to get sick so there's another situation going on? Maybe there to be a witness to the attending physicians and things like that. Maybe this is because this person has been too busy and God's actually going to give them a time of rest because they wouldn't take the rest that they're advised to do. So we need to be praying into all of that as well. There's so many things that we could be praying. It could be to witness to the friends and family that will gather around them while they're in hospital. It could be to raise up people who will be able to provide for her family while she's in hospital there's all these things that we could actually be praying for so that God's name is honored and glorified in each and every situation we need to be thinking about what God would have us to do and you know I still believe the great commission is what we're called to do everything we do should be through the looking glass of reaching others for the kingdom of God and so when God prompts us to talk to someone Ask for wisdom. Ask for the right words to say to that person. Ask that you'll only say as much as God gives you to say. And he will not leave you hanging. He will answer that prayer. He will provide for you. He will guide you. He's happy to give us everything we need in order to serve him. So in conclusion, I want to use an analogy that Timothy Keller uses when he talks about people who are in prayer. And I want you to think about what's going to come up on the screen here. And I want you to think about where you are in this. Are you sailing? Think about that sailboat with the wind behind it, pushing it along. The sails are full. Everything's going really well. God is real to you in your heart. You know his love. You see your prayers being answered. And when you study the Bible, it comes alive for you. When you hear God speaking, you find it very easy to actually adapt what God is saying uh, through his word. And when you speak to others, you can see God working through you and influencing them for good, influencing them for him. And they're influenced by Holy Spirit through you. These are the people who are really powering on for him. And we've got some here 
It's absolutely fantastic to see these people powering on. But then there's other of us, others of us, and you know the winds die down a bit, and we've got to start rowing. And so as we row, you know, it's about us, um, you know, finding that praying and reading the words more a duty than a delight. We have to really work at it, and we haven't yet separated ourselves from God. But the sense of His presence has slipped, and is rare. There's only these fleeting moments where we feel that He is with us and talking to us and encouraging us. You don't see many of your prayers answered. And regardless, you're determined to keep on Bible reading and praying. You're determined to keep coming here and worshipping together with the saints. And you want to be involved in a connect group. And you want to reach out and encourage others. But there's just this incredible spiritual dryness that is coming into your life. And you know it's not where it needs to be. Are you drifting? This is where you've given up rowing. You no longer read your Bible. You don't pray. You're not really connecting with God. And each and every day, you don't really want to either. There's nothing that draws you to him. And so you just walk away and you let it go. Are you sinking? This is someone who's drifted away from the main current, so there's nothing pushing you along anymore. There's no forward momentum. You're just sitting still in the water. And there's this numbness that was in your heart, which is slowly hardening. When a major crisis hits, it's easier to just abandon your faith. God's not really listening anyway. You don't think you want to pray to him. In fact, you don't. You don't even think about contacting Christian friends or family because you can't see any point. So where are you on that tonight? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. The way back in each of the bottom three scenarios is to row. We've got to get back to praying. We've got to come alongside Christian brothers and sisters who will lift us up. He'll encourage us to get back into the word. He'll encourage us to pray. And guys, I invite you every night to come down the front here and pray. It's no different tonight. And I, I don't get any credit if you come down the front. I, I'm just delighted that God has challenged you and drawn you closer to him. And that's what I want tonight. If you're in the bottom three, I don't care if the whole congregation comes out. Wouldn't that be awesome if we all knelt at the front, repented and prayed? I want to pray with you. Worship team is going to come up as I close in prayer. But if you need to pray, if you need to learn more about prayer, please come and see me. Um, Pastor Darrell's here as well. Pastor David's here. Pastor Brendan? So Pastor Darrell, Pastor David and myself. And you're surrounded by Christian friends and family who love you too. All of us would love the opportunity to pray for you. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for your presence for your love that you pour out so freely upon us. I thank you, Lord, that you want relationship with us and you took every step required in order for that to happen. And Lord, you invite us into that relationship with you. And so many of us have made that choice, Lord, but now so many of us are feeling dry too. Father, we want to change that. Will you make us desperate for you again? Will you give us a hunger and a desire and a passion to know you more? 
Will you call us back to you, Lord? Will you open our eyes to the fact you've been standing there the whole time? And you want to welcome us back. You want so much more for us than what we've presently got, Lord. Forgive us for not seeing that. But Lord, open our eyes to you tonight, I pray. And let us, as a people of God, respond to you. Let us seek your will, your purposes, your guidance from this day forward, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.